It's Monday, July 23rd, 2018. I'm Herbie Newell, and this is the Defender Podcast, a daily encouragement to mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This daily podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm coming to you from Bogota, Colombia. Well, this is our weekly Monday Bible study and call to prayer. Today, we are continuing our study on the book Basic Christianity by John Stott. Josh Caldwell, our international director, will be leading us to chapter two, the claims of Christ. Last week, Herbie taught on chapter one, which was called the right approach. And this part of the book that we're entering to today is a section based on who Christ is, the claims of Christ, the character of Christ, and the resurrection of Christ. Today, we're going to be walking through this chapter um, and looking at scripture that is given in this chapter on the claims of Christ. Stott starts off this chapter with the core to why we need to study the claims of Christ, why we need to spend time reading and praying and studying scripture of Christ. He says that Christianity is Christ and that who Christ is and what he has done is the cornerstone of our Christian faith. He goes on to say, if you were to take Christ from Christianity, you would have nothing. I kind of chuckle when I read this because when I, the first time because I thought, of course, John, of course, um, if we take Christ out of Christianity, we would have nothing. It would be an empty religion. But then as I thought further and, and tried to understand, uh, I think about the world that we live in and the world of today that wants to say um, many people being able to say that they live a Christian life without having a focus on Christ or saying they live a Christian life with an empty background or empty religion that is not focused on the word of God and the person and the character of Christ. There are many in our cities and around our countries that would live this empty religion. And so we are to pour into what scripture is teaching us about Christ so that we may be able to communicate that more clearly with the people that are around us. You may ask yourself why at Lifeline we would be studying this book because presumably we understand that Christ is the center of Christianity and that we would know him deeply. Um, But this is the purpose so that we can go deeper in our faith and we can look deeply into the core principles of what our Christian faith is and being Christ. As we begin, it is good for us to start with this thought from Stott on page 33. We are uh, persuaded that Jesus was a historical person who possessed two distinct and perfect natures, one divine and one human, and that this makes him absolutely and forever unique. In short, we believe him to be worthy not just of our admiration, but also our worship. Isn't that exciting to think about that Jesus is not only deserving of our admiration and our thoughts and deserving of our high regard, but he is so deserving of our worship because he is divine. So let's look at through this chapter. uh, Stott gives us four um, things to look at. One is his his self-directed teachings, his direct claims, his indirect claims, and his dramatized claims. So the first thing we're going to look at is his self-directed and his self-directed teaching and his direct claims. And these claims of Christ are the ones that I find most, for me personally, find most encouraging as reading through Scripture. I love these statements, and we're going to look at seven "I am" statements from the book of jo- of John. First one. I am the bread of life. Uh, 
John 6, and we're going to look at verses 22 through 35. I'm going to read those to us. John 6, verses 22 through 35. On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat and that Jesus was not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boat and went into Capernaum seeking Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures the eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do? to be doing the works of God. And Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, that you will believe in him who he has sent. So they said to him, then what signs do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it is not, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the bread, the true bread from heaven for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, sir, give us the, this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall not thirst. But I said to to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. That's just a great um, few verses of scripture there about Jesus being the bread of life. And I love this statement because it goes right to the heart. Think about bread. Uh, bread is a picture of a staple of sustaining life. And Jesus is our sustainer of life. But he uh, not only sustains our physical needs, I think of this bread of life. This is really focused on our spiritual nature, that he is the bread that we need uh, for our daily spiritual life. We are a people spiritually desperate, needing the transforming and sustaining work of Jesus, the bread of our life. The second I am claim that is in uh, John, and these are the self-directed, these are the, the self-centered teaching and direct claims. And some of these John Stott talks about in his book, and some of them we just want to look at today to understand a little more about Jesus's claims. And the next one is that he is the light of the world. John eight twelve, I am the light of the world. Again, Jesus spoke, verse 12, Jesus spoke to them saying, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus claiming to be the light of the world is Jesus once again uh, giving a statement of his relationship with the Father and of him being deity. 1 John 1, 5 through 7 says this, This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie. 
and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Think about this, Jesus being the light of the world. Uh, John, looking back further in John, at the beginning of, of John, John chapter 1, we're introduced to this picture. It says, in him was life and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness does not overcome it. So we look at these verses in John chapter 8, in 1 John 1, and in John chapter 1, and we see Jesus talked about as the light of of the world. The next I am statement that we see and we hear about is that he says that I am the door. Let's look at John 10, 1 through 9. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way. That man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeepers open. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name, leading them out. Verse four, when he has brought out of his town, he goes before them. The sheep follow him for they know his voice. A stranger will not follow but they will flee from him for they do not know the voice of the stranger. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying. So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are the thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Jesus is the way which the lost can enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus uses this as a picture of a safe place of heaven that we can enter through him. And the only way to enter is through that door, which is Jesus Christ. Jesus says, I am the door. The first I am statement that we looked at was that I am the bread of life. And then I am the light of the world and I am the door. And the next one goes along with these verses, which is the title of uh, the heading that is over this section of verses, which is, I am the good shepherd. So right after seeing that Jesus is the door, let's continue reading in these verses, 11 through 18. He says, I am the good shepherd. Verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. He who is hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees the wolf, snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the father knows me. And I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not in the fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my father. He is our protection. Just as a shepherd is protecting our flock, Jesus claims And he puts it out there that he is our shepherd. He is the good shepherd. For he loved us so much that he laid down his life for us. Next, the fifth one is that Jesus says, I am the true vine. Verses 15, um, or John, excuse me, John chapter 15, 1 through 11. 
He says that he is the, the, the true vine. I am the vine and you are the branches. This is an important text that we see in John 15, 1 through 11. When you receive Christ, we are tied into him and he is our sustainer. This is a picture, a clear picture of when Christ is in us and we abide in him that we bear fruit. You know, and I'm really just thankful that we are able to see these things and dig deep into this word of God that we are seeing Jesus as our true vine. And daily, we are to be tied into the Lord because he is our sustainer and he is what we need. The sixth I am statement is that Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. John 11 verses 17 Uh, through 27. Now, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house, and Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brothers will rise again. Martha said to them, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he dies, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. Jesus gave life to Lazarus, and he raised him from the dead. He is the resurrection and the life, and he not only conquered the death of Lazarus, but he also conquered his own death at the cross and was raised and resurrected. And he gives us life through that resurrection if we trust and believe in him. The last I am statement says that I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And this is an incredible verse that has impacted many throughout the years and has definitely impacted my life personally. John 14, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe in also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms, and if it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may also be. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth and the life. And no one comes to the father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. This is such a powerful verse, and it really brings me back to to the time when I was saved and remember um, thinking about Jesus being the way and the only way and the truth and the only truth I needed in life and the life, the life that we want to live, honoring and glorifying to him. He is the life, and He is the way, and He is the truth. 
So these are seven powerful I am statements that are found in the book of John. And John Stott, in his book, Basic Christianity, goes on and talks about self-directed, the self-directed claims, direct claims and indirect claims. He also talks about dramatized claims, which are um, of the miracles that Jesus did. And so I just want to stop there and let's think about as we conclude today that we must reflect on these statements of Christ and ask ourselves, are we walking in faith as we see these statements and claims made by Christ? That do we believe the first one, that he's the bread of life? Do we believe that he is the light of the world? Do we believe that he is the door by which we can enter into a forever fellowship with our Lord in heaven? And do we believe that he is the good shepherd, the true vine, the resurrection and the life and the way, the truth and the life that no one can come to the father except through him? We are to live a life that is daily reflecting that we believe and trust in these I am statements. And today we should pray that the Lord would continue to deepen our hearts and understanding these claims of Christ. Well, thanks, Josh. And this week we are praying for the country of Costa Rica. We are specifically praying for the central authority and their staff, Pani, as they evaluate children and families and praying specifically that they will improve their dossier review and approval timelines. We're, we're praying for the council and adoptions, the board of directors who have the final say in the dossier approvals and matching after Pani makes the recommendations. We're praying for the local church. And that local churches, missionaries, and organizations in their efforts to share Christ in their communities and care for the children and families of Costa Rica. We're praying for our unadopted team as we plan for future caregiving training and foster care trainings. We're praying ultimately for the children of Costa Rica that, that their hearts would, would be uh, just protected and guarded and that they would learn from their heavenly father and that he will comfort them in their distress. We are praying for advocates to arise up, to love, to care for, and to help these children. We're, we're praying for adopted families and adopted children, for the families who are already home with their children as they adjust, care for, support, and seek resources for their children. We're praying for wisdom, rest, and perspective for these adoptive parents. And we're praying for the children's hearts as they process their hurts and that they would find comfort and healing through Christ and they would adjust to their new families. We're praying for our team on the ground in Birmingham and in the United States for Josh, for Lauren, for Beth, for uh, Nisha, and for Michael. We're praying for wisdom, patience, and unity as we work together to advocate for better policies and adoption processes, make plans for trips, camps, hosting, and deepen our relationships with local ministries and with Pani. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to get to work in the country of Costa Rica. Lord, we would just pray that your gospel would go forth. We pray that you would strengthen the church to get engaged, uh, not only with proclaiming the gospel to those that are lost, but to proclaiming the gospel to orphans and widows in their distress. And Lord, we just pray that the church would be would rise up and that in the way that they do gospel-driven justice, that it would be opportunity for proclamation of the gospel. Be with our team as we work with families and children in Costa Rica. And ultimately, Lord, we pray that you would surround the children of Costa Rica with your great love, with your great hope, and that you will comfort them in their distress. Lord, it is for your glory and your sake that we seek to take your gospel to Costa Rica. We ask all these things in your precious name, the name of Jesus. Amen. 
Well, thanks for listening to Defender Podcast. For more information or connect with me, please visit HerbieNewell.com. To partner with Lifeline, visit LifelineChild.org. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at LifelineChild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel through you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again tomorrow for the Defender Podcast.